Welcome to Making Sense of Parenting. This show is dedicated to helping parents change chaos, confusion, and struggle into calm, clear connections with their kids, all in a way that aligns with their faith. Hey there, I'm your host, Kelly Shoup, helping you navigate the bumpy road of raising kids. Let's dive into today's topic. Kelly Shoup, I am glad you were here. Do you find yourself repeating yourself over and over and over again? Do you think your child will never listen? Do you find yourself exasperated frequently? Like, what am I doing wrong? My child will not listen. My child will not cooperate. What's going on? Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about in the podcast today, and I actually want you to talk less, and your kids are going to listen more, and most parents are thinking, wait, what? What in the world? That's not going to work because they're not going to listen if I'm not talking, but actually, if you talk less, you will get better cooperation, and they will listen more. So I'm Kelly Shoup. I'm going to give you the lowdown on me super fast. I have been in the parenting kids play place for over 20 years. I'm a parent coach, pediatric occupational therapist, mom of three, and I help parents understand what their kids are communicating to them through their behavior. Often it is what parents think is bad behavior, the outburst, the tantrum, the meltdown, the needing you to repeat the same thing 20 times over and the child still not doing what you want. You consider that bad behavior, but what is your child communicating to you and how can I help you as the parent make your parenting more pain-free, easier, less stressful? more fun, more effective, efficient. I am all about helping parents get done what they need with their kids so they can have fun and enjoy. There's enthusiasm and excitement and engagement, all of the good stuff that we want as parents with our kids. That's what I help parents do. I want to tell you that my parenting approach is peaceful, it's positive, and I'm all about partnership. And so I'm not about instantaneous obedience. I'm playing a long game and I help parents understand, you know, what they really want, even though you think you want in the minute, you just, I want my kid to do what I want them to do right this second. That doesn't serve you long-term. And so I'm all about connection, contribution, cooperation, all of these things that are the long game, right? We're all heading towards, you know, growth and development, virtue, sainthood, and heaven. And we're all going together and we're in partnership together as a family. And so I want my kids to know that I'm going to be peacefully partner with them in whatever they are doing. 
And the number one thing, most important, no matter what, to get cooperation and to get your kids to listen, connection. So connection is the conduit for cooperation. So if I want my kids to cooperate, if I want my kids to listen, I need to first connect with them. Connection is also key because it moves our kids from a defensive state to an open, receptive one. And if you think about this for yourself, if your husband walked in the door every evening, you know, after he's been working and came in the door and just said, I need you to fix my dinner or I want you to give me the, the expenses for today or the budget or whatever. If, if your husband just comes in and asks you those questions and doesn't connect with you first, how does that make you feel? Most wives are like, what? Wait, like you want your spouse to come in and connect with you. Hey, give you some eye contact. How was your day? What, what you learned today? Just however y'all do, whatever your routine is, you want to connect first. And so that is super key with your kids also. I'm going to talk the second thing that is most important, especially because I work with kids ages three to eight is play. But I'm going to move play to the end, even though it is super, super important, because I want to give you parents some other tools and strategies that involve your being involved less. So I'm going to move play to the end, and we're going to talk about some other means and other ways that you parents can have your kids listen, have your kids cooperate and do what they need to do. Okay. Did you know that speech and the language that we use was the last thing kind of in the evolution of a human being. So speech was last. And so body movements, gestures, sign language, all that stuff, we know that way back, long, long time ago, humans were able to use signs to communicate with one another. And then there were grunts and then there were songs and um, holding the grunts longer to, to mean things. And then articulate, communicated speech came last. So we can be effective parents with other means besides words that come out of our mouth over and over again. Pick up your clothes. Pick up your clothes. Hey, did you pick up your clothes? I need you to pick up your clothes. I mean, sometimes... I can just get so exasperated by having to repeat, but I don't have to. And I also want you to know, parents, like this is a universal problem. There isn't a parent I know that doesn't struggle with this issue. So don't beat yourself up. Don't be feeling guilty. I'm a bad parent. No, no, no. There's none of that. We all suffer from kids who we think can't listen. They've got plugged up ears or they don't know how to cooperate. And that's not it. We just need to um, incorporate some different things and to mix it up a little bit, which we all like. So, okay, I found this so interesting. The average woman speaks 60 
60,000 words a day. 60,000. 60,000. That seems like a huge amount. Men, a typical man speaks 10,000 words a day. That's a huge difference between the amount for men and the amount for women. So if you have a household full of young boys and you are constantly just nagging at them, badgering them, you know, put get the muddy boots out, do this, do that, they don't like it. They don't want all the verbal words coming at them. So let's get you some tools to be more effective in talking less. Okay, first one, music. Music is so fantastic for allowing your kids to do what they need to do and you to step out of the room and for them to be able to accomplish what they need to accomplish. I use this so much with my kids that, I mean, all the time, if we have a song that comes on, we'll just all start laughing. Like this was the, this was the, the month that we used, um, what does the fox say? was our morning song or morning routine song or whatever. And it, it brings up all these fun memories. And so music is such a great thing. Music touches your soul. So all the ways that I'm like repeating over and over and over again to do something, um, not as effective, but music, we know there's something about the deep instruments, um, that and a lot of the words also, but it's that combination of words and music that will affect the soul. It gets our body moving, it gets a rhythm like we're, you know, we're getting our body is hardwired for movement and engagement. And music is so incredibly great. So I would pick a song with my kids, like this is going to be our cleanup song for this week, this month, whatever. Um, and there's so many, I love Christian music. So I would play Christian music in our morning throughout my house all the time. And there's a great song by Toby Mack called everything. Like I see God in everything. I like, we like to dance. I always like to, um, go outside of the box. So we make up our own words. The words could say, we see God in everything. I would change it to, we are picking up everything, and see how you can get fun and creative. And then it doesn't feel like work. It feels like play. And your kids love play. Like kids are wired for play. It is their mode of operation. So with music, you know, we could dance. We could be doing all kinds of fun stuff. And picking up our toys or having breakfast and getting our stuff ready to move to the car to start school. But music was such a fun way. It lifts our mood. It, um, it's easy. You have access to so much of it. And you can learn so much about what people like, what they don't like. And so, you know, we would, um, Happy by Pharrell was another one that I would put Happy on. Okay, that's a three minute and 30 minute song. I'm going to put it on outside. We are working to pick up all the toys that are on the porch. That's, you know, that's what that music, that song is going to be. It's our, it's our cleanup song. And I'm sure y'all know that your kids probably have certain songs that they use when they're at daycare or they use in preschool. Clean up, clean up, everybody, everywhere. Clean up, clean up, 
everybody do their share. Um, there was another wash their hands off. So this isn't new to them. And I just encourage you to use music at home. It works. And again, just you pick the song, you pick how it's going to work for you. The other thing that I help parents with in my coaching is I want it to work for what the parent wants. I'm, I'm helping you reach the goals you want to. If you want an easier morning routine, that's what I'm all about. Music is a great way to make it happen. So music. Next thing, alarm clock. Yes, your child at a young age, as early as like four, for sure, can wake up to an alarm and get out of bed, get themselves out of bed and get dressed and meet you at the kitchen for breakfast. Now, again, what's, what's our, our A number one place that we're starting from is connect. So we've connected with our child the night before, we've read him a story, we've prayed, we've you know had the snuggle time. So your child's gonna go to sleep, they're sleeping all night. Kids are wired for independence. They want to be independent. They want to make decisions on their own. And so if you give them that ability, now this doesn't work for every single child. Again, you know your kids, but for my kids, it, it was a very easy rule. And not really a rule, just um, an easy thing to put in place. And for my three kids, I had a couple of years where my older two shared a room. So Will and Catherine were together in a room. And yes, I had an alarm clock in there. And then um, we moved and my girls shared a room. And so, you know, we just, it was a thing. They knew the alarm was going to go off in the morning before school. And when the alarm went off, they got out of bed. They could, you know, I wasn't, it, it didn't happen to happen instantly. They couldn't, you know, they didn't have to shoot themselves out of bed. Like I had, again, created some grace in there. Uh, this isn't instant obedience. I've, I've um, put in some wiggle room of when we set the alarm to. So they could get up, get their clothes on. And again, this is independence. And my occupational therapy background I see everything with skills and steps and what skill does a child need to have to be able to do this step, to move the path forward of growth and development. And so I use a path and steps, concrete plan, also in coaching parents, which makes that plan e easier for parents. Like, they understand, okay, I'm, I don't have to figure out all the different steps because Kelly's going to help me do that. That's what I'm trained in. And what is different about me a little bit is that I've been doing this a really long time with lots of different families, lots of different kids, lots of different situations. And so I have lots of experience and lots of ideas that a lot of parents you haven't thought of. Like you've got one kid or you've got two kids and you've only been in this game for four years. I've been in it for 20. So I could easily help you. <clears throat> so.
So again, alarm, kids are coming out, they're already dressed. So maybe they don't have their shoes on, but they're dressed for school. You didn't have to say one word. Now, I had clothes, you know, any, my kids could pick anything. I had easy clothes that they could put on because I think it's super important for kids to be independent and dressing. Why? Because it's easier on me. And also because it builds confidence in a child. I can put my clothes on. I don't need my mom to dress me. And you would be surprised how important that is to a child. They want independence. They want their own deal and to do it themselves. They want to pick their own shirt and whatever color socks. They don't want mom to pick it after a while. And so I am always trying to create environment where kids can be independent and know that they're independent with this skill. Getting dressed was one of them. So they would come out to the table, to the counter for breakfast. We would have breakfast. They might have to go back in and brush their teeth, brush their hair, wash their face. Um, that, again, that window of time easily can happen with a song, whatever song they like, you pick it. But music, alarm clock, super effective. And again, it's not going to happen in one day. So when you put these systems in place, just know, okay, we've got, you know, it might take a couple weeks. Or this is perfect, coming with summer is, okay, we're going to, this summer, we're going to put in place, maybe you don't want to start with the alarm in the month of June because it's summer, but kind of July, August, we're working towards getting used to getting up to an alarm, putting our clothes on for the day, and then coming out for breakfast. You, you haven't even seen them yet. And they're up, they're dressed. You haven't had to say a single word. You're talking less, but they're cooperating and doing more. That's what we want. Okay, timer. Um, again, I just have little timers in rooms that, you know, I could put five minutes. And this is something I have to coach parents on often is to understand your child really doesn't understand that concept when you're like, okay, for 10 minutes, I want you to do this. And then we're going to leave. They're like, I haven't even been taught time. I don't think they learned time in school until first grade, second, maybe, I don't know for sure. But just know that that can be a tricky concept for kids. And so when you say, you know, go clean up for five minutes, they're like, I have no clue what five minutes is. But a timer, and I actually have a timed timer, you can find them on Amazon, but it shows the elapsed time. So there's a dark screen for like 15 minutes and then the dark leaves. So kids can be able to kind of see, okay, here's how the time is going. And here's when, you know, when the timer goes off, then, okay, we should have the toys picked up. We should have the clothes put in the hamper. We should have the towels folded. Whatever it is, a timer can help. If you have a child who is struggling repeatedly with kind of whatever you need them to be accomplishing, doing um, listening to, I always, number one, I want to reconnect. So if it's a, if it's a one-time occurrence, like, you know, one day they're totally not into the morning routine, what's going on? So I will bend down at their level and with eye contact, 
say, hey, what's up? You know, you're just really is slow today. Seems like you're not very excited for school. Why? Because that's unusual. I want to know. I want to connect. I want to know what's going on. What is their behavior telling me? And, you know, a child might say, yeah, well, you know, Timmy was really mean on the playground and he wouldn't pick me to, to be on the, on his team. Cause he says, I run too slow. And so, you know, your child's, his feelings are hurt. He didn't want to go to school because he feels like he's a slow kid. So look for those clues. Why are they struggling today? Is that normal or is that not normal? Connect, figure out, and then respond after you learn. If it's a child who is struggling for multiple days with how to, you know, get in the flow with you and your family, morning routine, bedtime routine, you can say, would it be helpful if we made a list for you to know what goes on for the bedtime routine? And this can be so incredibly helpful. So I was helping a family with this very thing. And I, the, I was working with a little boy and bedtime was always a struggle. So he wanted to make a list of what he needed to do. You know, bedtime, um, brush my teeth, get jammies on. So he made a list and he drew it because he can't read yet and he does not have all his letters formed. So he drew a picture of what he needed to do and he had five steps it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. So his mom looked at the list and she goes, well, I don't know what this means. And I said, you don't have to because you're not doing the list. He is. And he knows exactly what that stick that looks like it's got all kinds of wonky things sticking out. That's a toothbrush. He knows it. He drew it. So he can operate brushing his teeth because he knows what that is. And so, again, I'm all about letting kids contribute. Let them show you that they can make a list, that they can follow. For some kids, we can write the word. They might understand the first word. And some kids, they just want to make that check mark. And that might be you. Does anybody want to make a list? And the first number one thing that always goes at the top of the list is number one, make a list. And then you check that because you like checking the box. So again, this is specific to you, to specific to your child. I want to have what is effective, efficient, and works. And for this little boy, he was like, oh yeah, now I'm going to get my jammies on. Now I'm going to put my clothes in the hamper after bath time. Nailed it. And the mom was shocked because it wasn't in her language. It was in his, but we're wanting the behavior to come from him. So I want to speak his language effective for him. And it was easy to put in place and super effective. And then as he grew, as he was learning words, as he could write words and read, we were just readjusting what the list looked like. So again, once we get a system in place, just know that system isn't going to stay the exact same because your child is growing and changing in development. And so it's our job as a parent to be adjusting, shifting, moving with them as they are growing. And because a child does not have a fully functioning brain like we do as the adult and the parent, we are the ones who are adjusting and shifting and reorganizing and 
looking for a different strategy, a different tool, something else that will work that is effective with this particular child. Okay, so the other thing, race and competition. Oh my goodness, if you have boys, this is your ticket. You are gonna talk less, they are gonna race and compete more. Let's see who can get all the dirty clothes picked up the fastest. Let's have a race to see who gets ready and gets out the door in the morning and the first one in the garage, we're gonna have five minutes of playtime if everybody gets out there and whoever gets there first, they get to pick whatever we're gonna play. That is so motivating to some kids. And so use it, use the carrot that works. You know, when I talk to parents, it's amazing when I'll say, I want you to go home and make me a list of the carrots for your kids. And they're like, I have no idea. Yes, you know, it's all in here. I just have to drag it out of you. And so that's a big part of coaching is getting me to get you to know what the carrots are for your kids. Because I'm all about a carrot over a consequence. I do not want to have to badger, punish, threaten. A lot of parents threaten, but it's an empty threat. Nothing's really happening. If I have to count to three, then something's going to happen. And they count to three or six or 10 or 20. Nothing happens. I want you to parent again. We're in partnership. I want your kids to trust you. I want them to know that what you say, you mean, and you will follow through on. And it starts in these young ages of three to eight. And you have to be able to do it. It means so much means so much to follow through that your kid can trust that what you say you will do. Okay, competition. Now, I do want to give you one 911 scenario. So if you are someplace where music isn't going to help you or the timer or the race or whatever, there are times that you need instantaneous obedience. And if we have engaged with connection in cooperation, the majority of the time that we parent, and I do with my kids, I absolutely count on if we are someplace and I give you a look, or if we are in an airport and I ask you to stand right here, I need you to stand there. And I'm not going to ask you 17 times. I'm going to ask you once and I want it to happen. So If it's not happening, I will again bend down on your child's level. And this is super important because there's something about that when we're taller and over them that they're not as receptive. So I want to bend down. I want to get on their level. I want to look them in the eye. A lot of times I'm going to connect first. So I'm going to bend down. They might not be doing what I want them to do. And this is you know, I'm said again, listen, I really need you to be quiet. We're in this recital and, you know, we're listening to all the other kids. Okay. So I'm going to bend down. A lot of times I will give them a quick hug. Hey, hi, I love you. What's up? Like, I know, you know, that we are to be listening to all these kids as they perform what they've worked hard all year. And so I want to connect first, right? Cause I want to get that connection to get, them open and receptive to the cooperation that I want. And then I'm going to give them eye contact. And a lot of times I will keep holding their hands. 
and say, okay, here, I need you to be quiet. 10 minutes, we're done in 10 minutes or whatever they need to tell me, or they really needed a drink or mom, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, okay, can you hold it for 10 minutes? A lot of times if I can get that understanding of what their need is, I can meet it or I can get them to understand, okay, we're gonna go back in, 10 minutes of being quiet and then we are out, we are done. We're gonna go to the bathroom and then we're headed to the playground. So it just might be a minute to connect and to let them understand the plan. Like they wanna know, am I sitting in this recital listening to this music for the next three hours? No, 10 minutes. So that quick time to connect. Okay, the last thing I wanna talk about is play. And as a therapist working with kids and helping parents play, 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 is the number one thing that is the mode that young kids function in. It is God-given, God hardwired in to kids to play. Okay, I wanna give you a quote from um, a child researcher, scientist, doctor that is so fantastic. And I'm gonna I'll, um, post it later because it's so incredible. Scientists, have determined that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in your brain. So if you were learning something new, 400 repetitions to get it, unless it's done in play, which takes between 10 and 20 repetitions. 400 not done in play, 400 times to get your brain, to get the synapse, to get the new thing versus 10 or 20 with play. I love to play. I play all day. It is, I mean, there's a virtue of play. Did you know this? Okay, this is, this is going to be good. You need to know this, especially with young kids. It is the virtue of eutropelia. I hope I'm pronouncing this right but it is the virtue of right recreation. And I was reading about St. John the Evangelist and people caught him playing games, laughing and telling jokes and having fun with his friends. And they were completely appalled and thought, oh my goodness, this, this man who is supposed to be so incredibly close to the Lord, look at his, you know, silly, laughing behavior. No, that is play. God gave us play. It is how your kids are wired to learn. So if you can turn your morning routine into play, transition time, getting from the breakfast table into the car to travel to school, make that look like play. And there's a million different ways to do it. Um, I I used to do it with my kids like, we're gonna walk like jungle animals to the car today. Somebody's gonna be an elephant and their arm's gonna be their trunk. I mean, kids are so incredibly open and easy to play because this is the time they are to do it. And so when you bring play into whatever they need to do, whatever they need to listen to, however they need to cooperate, whatever you're trying to get them to do, do it in play. You know, we're going to we're going to um, pick up all the toys in the toy room, but we're moving like robots. Um, and 
So there are so many different ways that you can play. Um, I used to say, oh, it's backward, backward, get ready for dinner. So we're setting the table, we're walking backwards. We're doing everything backwards. And so we were playing, we were actually accomplishing what I needed was setting the table, preparing dinner, but we were doing it in play. And that is how your kids are wired. And I will have parents who tell me, I don't play. I just, I, I don't, I, I wasn't wired that way. And for some parents that I help with this, I find that their parents did not model play for them. So I will focus, I'm gonna um, put some stuff out next week, some, some ways to bring play into your parenting because it is fun. And it is also, I have absolutely no doubt and so much evidence of this over and over and over with families I have worked with, but parents, play is what God made for you to get a break. So a respite, a time of relaxation, a time for you to let loose, a time for you to not worry about the heavy whatever responsibilities of being a parent. No, when you have a young child, God, I mean, this was intentional design. Like you have to get on your child's level. You have to get silly. You have to get funny. You have to make up weird things and make believe and all the stuff that your child wants to do in these young ages. And it actually helps parents so much. It can be calming. It can be de-stressing. In fact, the robot thing, I... Had um, was helping a family and a parent, you know, I was telling this mom, she had boys. And I said, okay, turn the cleaning up of the playroom into robot time. So she did. And it worked fantastic. She had turned into a robot. She carried that into her office. So they had like robotic, whatever, one meeting once a week was the robot meeting. And everybody walked down the hall like a robot and it became a thing and it was fun and meaningful and it just brought um, lightness and laughter. And so that is what I want to help parents get. I want your parenting to be easier. I want you to talk less and have it be effective and have it be more fun. Okay, so play. In closing, I just want to say that, you know, again, I help parents a lot with just simple strategies. So you can click the link below and book a call with me for whatever your struggles are. If you're thinking, my kids won't listen, call me, let's talk. I promise I can give you some ideas and some ways to try that will be effective and fun and playful. Click the link, share it, like it, whatever, all the stuff. Have fun. Did you like what you heard in this episode? If you did, please share it with a friend and be sure and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Reviews are always appreciated. As a reminder, my show is also on YouTube. In YouTube, search for Kelly K. Shoup. That's K-E-L-L-Y-K-S-H-O-U-P. Be sure to click the subscribe button and hit the bell for all notifications. To learn more about my work, helping families, or to contact me, go to kellykshoop.com. Again, that's kellykshoop.com. Thanks so much.